Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. We strive to lead people to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. Our goal is to tear down the walls that have kept people away from church to help them build a relationship with God, our Creator. We are so glad you're tuning in today. We hope and pray that this leads you to Jesus and His path for your life. So, without further ado, here is today's teaching. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am Patrick. I am one of the volunteers here at Venture Church. Uh, Chris is out of, no, I'm just kidding, he's right there. Uh, Chris is just letting me preach today because I said, I want to preach because it's Christmas time and I normally get to. He said, all right, cool, when do you want to do it? I said, today? He said, oh, sweet. Uh, no, it happened sooner than that. Uh, but I'm really excited to be able to share with you uh, because it's Christmas time. Man, I like that. Woo! I love Christmas. Man, Christmas is like, if you go and it's like, what's your favorite holiday password question? Mine's always Christmas, which I know it shouldn't be because that's what everybody's is. And so it's a bad answer to your password question, but whatever. I, I still, I do it and it's okay because I spell it uh, wrong. Uh, <laughs> but I never remember how I spelled it and I ended up just resetting my password anyway. But Christmas is in full swing, and if your family is anything like mine, that means that you are busy. Uh, more and more and more things are happening, and I'm tripping over cords. Uh, more and more and more things are happening every single day in your life, uh, and it's just getting hectic. Uh, and I'm not, I don't think any of this stuff is bad. I, you know, it's not that things are wrong or that it's not good to be busy, that it's not good to do all these things, but... This season of our lives, these from November like the 12th until after the new year, there's only really one word that you can use to describe that time period, and it's chaotic. Like things are going on more and more and more, and I think every year more stuff starts happening because you start getting into the things. You get into the decorating and putting up the lights and putting up the tree and putting up the stockings and putting up the... Uh, nativities and putting up the, all the other things that you've gotten for the last Christmases over the rest of your life. You have to go sit back out and go, oh yeah, I remember when I got that. No, you do that. Like yesterday, we had a den meeting for the Cub Scouts at our house and a little Christmas party. And uh, one of the dads sat and looked at our Christmas tree and wanted to know about every individual ornament for like 30 minutes, because that's what you do. You get excited about it. Uh, but there's the decorating, there's baking, there's events and parties and shopping and uh, going to spend time with your family and going to fancy dinner parties. You know, you, you do stuff like that and it's good. And then the kids even have things that they need to do. And before you know it, Christmas has just turned into noise, 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 noise. And people start blowing their flu fluvers and they bang their tartukas and they blow their hoo whoopers and they bang their gardukas. Now, I don't want to be a Grinch. And I'm not. I, I love Christmas. But as much as I love Christmas, as much as, as people in general love Christmas, I know there's some that don't, but as much as we do, there's something else that we really love also when Christmas is over because it just gets to be too much. And we get so focused on so many different things that it becomes hard to, to remember the real reason about Christmas, the real meaning behind all of it, the fact that Jesus came into this world to live as a man, to, to grow up and to die so that he could save us. 
because that's what it's all about. Right now, uh, we are in a teaching series that we're looking at Christmas carols. We're looking at those songs that we sing at Christmas and we're learning about the story behind them. And that's not the stories of the songs, but the story that they all point to, the story of, of Jesus. And last week, Chris did, uh, I think it was Oh Holy Night. And he, he went through and he broke down that song and he, and he showed us some new ways to think about it. And if you weren't here, I highly recommend going to the podcast, listening to that uh, sermon, not right now, like while I'm preaching, but later, uh, because it'll help you look at that song in a whole new light. Um, but today I get to talk about one of my favorite Christmas songs and a little bit of transparency, a little bit of honesty for you. This could really be just about any Christmas song for me. Um, I am a big fan of Christmas songs, especially the old hymns, the old carols. Uh, I'm the one that's going to belt it out and actually know more than one verse. Like that, that's how you know it's a real Christian hymn carol song aficionado is if they know what verse two says. Uh, but I do, I, I love Christmas songs and this one is, is not low on the list of those that I love and it's O Come All Ye Faithful, uh, which was originally written in Latin uh, as Adeste Fidelis and that's a little bit harder to sing than O Come All Ye Faithful so somebody changed it. Um, the writing of it is attributed to John Francis Wade uh, but if you go on the Wikipedia page, there's like nine different people that are like, it could have been them that wrote it here or it could have been them that wrote it here, possibly King John of Portugal. I, I don't know, I thought Ronaldo was King of Portugal so that confused me. Uh, thank you for those few of you that understood that. Um, but what they all agreed on was that in 1841, Frederick Oakley translated it into English, which matters to us because if it was still in Latin, we wouldn't sing it. Uh, so there you go. So let's look at these words, O come all ye faithful. We just sang it, but let's, let's look at these words again. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye. This was 1841, that's why it's that way. Uh, to Bethlehem. Uh, come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let, oh wait. Um, Christ the Lord, which, which I love in the Latin is actually just one word. Uh, Dominani or something. I can't know if Latin pronunciation is right, but it just says Lord, but pointing straight to, to Christ and, and to God. And it's, it's really cool to look at how those work. But I love this song because this is one of those Christmas songs that all it does is point directly back to the real meaning of Christmas. It just points directly back to Jesus, back to the manger, back to Bethlehem. But I think there's more that we can learn from this song. And so let's look at it just a little bit closer. It starts off this way, O come all ye faithful. Man, that's it. He's just calling in all those people that love him, all the people that want to be a part of him, all the people that already are there. Come all ye faithful. Man, that's a big word, faithful. To have faith in something, to, to believe unerringly, to, to have that hope that you know exactly what's gonna happen Come all ye faithful. Uh, you know, this song sometimes makes it feel like that's the only ones being called are the faithful. 
It makes it feel like if, if you're not there, if you, if you still have doubts, if you still are, are struggling to figure out exactly where you fall on this whole God thing, that, that maybe you're, you're not welcome. But friends, there's good news because those aren't the only people that Jesus calls. He doesn't only call the faithful. Look at this in, in Matthew chapter 11. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Or in Matthew 9, it says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus comes not to this world to visit the people that already got it figured out. He didn't come to help the perfect become more perfect. Jesus came for the rest of us. He didn't come for the perfect people because they don't exist. There are no perfect people in this world. In fact, I would put this supposition in front of you that you're not even perfect at not being perfect. Think about it. Sometimes you get stuff right. And that's good. You should. You should strive for that. But we fail even at that. And so I know he didn't come for perfect people. Now he came to the world for the people like us. He came for the sinners. He came for the doubters. He came for the pagans. He came for the failures. Jesus came to this world for everyone. And how do we know this? How can we know this? We, well, we adventure every week, like to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And I think this is a great one. So we're gonna, we're gonna do that. And, and if uh, you wanna turn to Matthew chapter two, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on a stand just outside of the, the entryway to this theater that are free. You can take one of those. You can take it home with you. You can have that. That can be a Christmas present to you from Venture Church. Uh, Chris will even sign in it from Venture to you. Uh, it'll be great. And, and you can have that because it's important to have a good readable version of the Bible. It's important to have that in your life. Uh, or if you want, you can get the Bible app on your phone. And that's fantastic. And I recommend having that because if you set it up, it'll tell you a verse of the day. It'll let you do uh, devotional plans that uh, I've been doing more and more recently and have been really excited about. And it'll also give you a false sense of accomplishment because it'll, it'll tell you that you're 150 days in of reading the Bible every day because you swiped away the verse of the day that it popped up. I'm just telling you, it makes you feel good. So you can get the Bible app or it'll be on the screen behind me if you don't wanna do that. But we're gonna be in Matthew chapter two. And Matthew is the first book in what's called the New Testament. This is after a period of time where there was no direct communication from God uh, written down into scripture. And it begins at the time of Jesus' birth. And Matthew is one of what we call the gospels, which is uh, a portrait of Jesus' life written out. You know, the ability to look and see his, his ministry and his teaching and the things that, that he does. Um, and Matthew is one of the two of those accounts that gives us the story of the birth of Jesus. Uh, and so uh, Luke is the other one of those, by the way. Um, so Matthew chapter two, starting at verse one, here we go. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Oh, the Magi, man. It's probably my favorite uh, people in the Christmas story because we know like zippity doo die about them. Like there's all we know are Magi from the East came. 
Um, there's so many questions about them. And there are people that have spent their whole adult academic lives studying the Magi that are talked about here in Matthew 2 and in Luke 2. And uh, there's only these couple of verses that we have about them. And they're like, no, we're going to figure out everything. Um, and none of them agree on most of it. Uh, but there are a couple of things that they have figured out that they say, this is probably true. And more than one person agrees with that. So we're going to go with that this is probably true, that the Magi were most likely religious teachers uh, from the, the Medes and the Persians, that that was where they were living. They were part of those cultures, and they had come from there. Uh, they were most likely scholars, uh, people that spent time studying, people that spent their whole lives looking into different things like astronomy and astrology. Um, they probably did stuff like medicine and math and science. So these were really actually wise men, which is good because that's what we always want to call them is, is the wise men. But while they were doing all that, because of the time frame that they were living, because of the place that they were living, they probably also spent a lot of time in idolatry and a lot of time in cultic practices and a lot of time feeding into superstitions. But in their studies, they would have studied the sacred text of the people groups around them, uh, including the sacred text of the Jews, which is the Old Testament of the Bible. And so when they saw something in the sky, they saw a star, they interpreted that as a sign of this king being born, as a sign of, of this prophecy being fulfilled. And so they loaded up all of their stuff and they, they packed some gifts in and they started on a journey that was probably somewhere between 800 and 1,200 miles for them without car, without plane, without train, uh, maybe a camel. We'll, we'll say it so it makes your, your nativity scene look better. But they traveled and I love that this is in the Bible. I love that we hear about these kings that are coming because what it is is it shows us God reaching out to a people and talking to them in a way that they understand. Reaching out to a people and talking to them in a way that they can know that they're going to visit not just an ordinary king, but someone special, someone important. So the Magi, um, how many of them were there? I, I don't know. We have no idea. Actually, no way of knowing. We know that they brought three gifts. And so we often say that there were three Magi just so we can have somebody holding each of the gifts. But I feel like on a journey like this, they probably at least had servants because these were scholars. They didn't know how to drive a camel. They had to have somebody come and do that for them. And so there was at least the camel drivers and probably the pack mules and probably people to, to carry those and maybe some disciples of theirs and some students and some other colleagues and some other people. We don't know. It could have been anywhere from the three that we often picture to 100 or 5,000. We don't know. I don't think, I think it was 5,000 and they would probably have told us. Uh, so I'm guessing somewhere in the, the dozen to two dozen range. But again, oh, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I know your major scene has three, and that's okay. Like, don't, don't go change it. Uh, although I did tell them in backstage service that if you wanted to go and get all of your wise men from all of your major scenes and put them together, that that would probably look awesome. Um, but what they did was important. 
Not who they are, not how many there were, but what they did was important. Because what these magi did was come and worship the king of the Jews. They came and worshiped Jesus. Uh, the word there in uh, Matthew 2, 2 that uh, is worship is the Greek word uh, proskuneo. Proskuneo. And it's actually a compound word. It's two words together that are kind of like towards and kiss from the little bit of, of study that I did on that. And it's this idea of bowing or, or laying to express respect, to make supplication. Uh, if you want to really get an, a picture of proskuneo in your head, Think back to Wayne's world where Wayne and Garth finally meet Aerosmith. You know, we're not worthy. We're not, you know, that's, that's the picture that we got here of these magi coming. They come in and they bow down to Jesus. These, these pagans, these people who weren't part of the family of God, that weren't part of the descendants of Abraham, they weren't of the nation of Israel, they weren't part of that group. But... They wanted to come and find this star God. They wanted to come and find this, this baby that was born so that they could worship him. Oh, come all ye faithful? Eh, maybe not so much. Maybe it's, oh, come everybody. Maybe it's so come everybody because we see this in most of Jesus's earliest encounters. He's not coming to the people that already know who he is. He's not coming to the people that already understand who he is. He's coming to the ones that he knows need him. To the ones that are hurt and lost. The ones that are depressed. The ones that are stuck in their own troubles. And he comes to them and says, I love you. Right where you are, I love you. God doesn't just call the faithful, but he does call all of us to be faithful, to become faithful. He calls us when we're broken, when we're beat up, and we're bored, and when we're bad, but he changes us from who we are to who he knows we can be so that we can be part of that faithful that are called. And then it goes on, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. And that's important that it's Bethlehem. Let's get back into Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all, was, all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. So the Magi are coming. They're coming to worship this newborn king, the king of the Jews. There's only one problem. Herod is currently king of the Jews. Uh, Herod was installed as king of the Jews uh, in Judea by the Roman government. 
Uh, he was, the, the Romans came in, they took over everything. They said, hey, you be king and you answer to Caesar. And Herod said, cool, I like being king. Being king is awesome. And he ended up growing into this crazy old man. Like the older he got, the more paranoid he got that people were gonna try to take over his throne. And so there's numerous sons and wives and close relations and close friends that he just had murdered so that he could keep being king because he was paranoid that there was a plot to take over his throne. And here come these magi, these wise men, these foreigners to say, hey, uh, we heard the new king was born. We wanted to meet him. And they said that to the current king. Um, one commentary writer puts it this way. He said, the Magi's question to Herod emphasizes that word born. The grammatical construction make it, makes it clear that they asked about a child who has the legitimate claim to Israel's throne by virtue of his birth. Herod thus is viewed as a usurper to the throne. They come and say, hey, we know you're not really king, where is the real king? And so Herod's like, oh man, where is the real king? Let's figure this out. And he calls all the priests and he calls all the teachers and he says, where is the Messiah, the Christ to be born? And they come in, they quote, well, Micah 5, 2, which was written about 700 years ago, says Bethlehem. And so the wise men go, cool, we'll go to Bethlehem. And so they pack up again and they take all their 500,000 people and they go towards Bethlehem. And that's important because it fulfills this prophecy. It's important because the way the things moved got them in a place to fulfill even more prophecies. So they go towards Bethlehem. And then we get the, the part of the song, O Joyful and Triumphant. Now, I realize I went out of order, but Matthew didn't write his, his gospel correctly, so I had to do that. Um, wait, no, the songwriter got it backwards, not Matthew. Anyway, if we continue, we see this, uh, Matthew chapter two, verse nine. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Uh, have you ever taken a long trip? I, I think most of us have. We, we go different places. We go uh, to grandparents or we go to theme parks or we go just on a vacation um, most of you know this, but I'm going to share so that all of you are on the same page. Uh, in my family, we have four children under the age of nine, with the youngest being 11 months old as of yesterday. So any trip that we take is a long trip. Uh, every, every single one is a long trip because somebody is not going to be happy inevitably. Uh, but sometimes we make decisions that make our trips longer or make us more excited to get to the final destination. Um, and last week we had one of those times. Uh, I was on my way home from work and uh, I cut through a back way and saw a thing on the side of the road. I thought, oh man, I wonder why they're throwing that out. That's pretty cool. And I just kept going. And I got home and uh, I'm telling Ashley about my day and we're having that whole when you get home moment. And uh, I get to that point, I'm like, oh yeah, I saw one of these on the side of the road. And she was like, what? I've been trying to get one of those for weeks. I've been like third on Facebook in line like three different times. Do you think it's still there? I was like, I have no idea. You wanna try? Let's go find out. So we did, we went to find out. We packed up all the kids in the car 
and at 4.30 in the afternoon, drove from our house almost all the way back to work, which when I leave at 7.30 in the morning is about 12 minutes. At 4.30 in the afternoon, it's about half an hour. And so we, we get over there, and um, it was still there. And I, I got to back up a little bit and, and let you know, um, my family is from a little town in North Carolina called Beargrass. Let that sink in for a second. Uh, it's called, it's called Beargrass. And um, I don't show it very often, but because of all the breeding and inbreeding that has happened over the course of the last centuries, um, the redneck in me runs really deep. And, and so I put this on the top of my car. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. On, the, on top of the van, we had the, the whole uh, jungle dome, whatever, whatever you call that. And uh, I put that on top of my car and drove from Shipyard and 17th Street right there at the, uh, the Wendy's and, and Arby's there, just in the neighborhood behind there, at five o'clock in the afternoon, all the way to my house, which is on Wrightsville near the hospital. Um, it's only like five miles, but man, did that feel like a long trip. Because this is after I had unstrapped it, so it had rolled a little bit. To strap it down, it was actually sticking up taller than that. Uh, it was just on one side going up, and I was scared. You know, we went to the first power line. We're like, oh, okay, we made it, we made it, we made it. You know, go to the first tree, like, oh, gosh. And so we made it home with no problem, and I was overjoyed. I was overjoyed because we got there. It was in one piece. We didn't scratch the van. We didn't break any windows. It was great. Uh, I don't know how far the Magi had to travel. I don't know uh, what means they took. I don't know how many times the question, are we there yet, was asked. Um, I don't know how many of them there were. I don't know what the weather was like. I don't know how many times the question, are we there yet, was asked. I don't know how much it cost them to go. I don't know how many times the words, are we there yet, were asked. <laughs> but I do know that they made this trip not to go pick up this cool thing that was on top of a van, but they made the trip to give expensive gifts and worship to a king, to a brand new baby, to someone that was special. And I don't think that line about them being overjoyed or being joyful and triumphant was because their trip was over. Like I was excited because I made it home. They were excited because they had finally found what they were looking for. They had finally gotten to that place where they were at the feet of the king. What a great lesson we can learn from these pagan wise men. A lot of time we as American Christians want Jesus to just fall into our lap. We want it to be easy. We want it to be something that we don't have to put a lot of effort into. We want to just show up and sit in our chair and go, all right, Jesus, I'm here. Come to me. Come show me what's up. Come show me what I'm supposed to be doing. Or, or we want to say, you know what, Jesus, I'll follow you as long as I can do it from my couch while I'm watching the game. I'll follow you and do the things that you want me to do as long as it doesn't put me out of my comfort zone, as long as it doesn't take me too far away. Meanwhile, these pagans these non-believers, these superstitious men 
following a star travel with relatively little comfort this great distance because they had an inkling that maybe God had moved in a big way. They left their families behind. They, they left their friends behind. It cost them money to go and it cost them money for these expensive present, presents to worship a king that wasn't even gonna be their king. And they were overjoyed to do it. Overjoyed to be put out, overjoyed to go forward, overjoyed for the opportunity. Back to the song, it goes down to the chorus. Oh, come, let us adore him. And I want you to really get that. And it says it again, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Verse 11 in Matthew chapter two. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's why we get three wise men, one for each of those. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. They bowed down and they worshiped him. That, that word, oh, come let us adore him, the, the Latin there, uh, aditorum, is the word for worship. That's what it's about. Oh, come, let us love him. Oh, come, let us worship him. Now, Jesus at this time was somewhere probably between one and two years old. I know I keep wrecking your nativity scene. I'm sorry. Um, you know, with the extra magi and the magi that aren't there at the same time as the shepherds, all the stuff, toddler Jesus. But it's okay. What I want you to see, what I want you to see is that Jesus is there, maybe just learning how to walk, maybe sitting in his mom's lap, being worshipped by these wealthy, affluent men from another nation, from another people, from another place, because they made the journey to get there. Because Jesus calls us all to him. Jesus calls us all to come and be part of that. See, the wise men were the faithful. They showed that in the journey that they took. They may not have even understood or realized what they were doing, but they had faith enough in something that they moved. Uh, a long time ago, I was taught this thing about faith and that faith is belief and action put together. It's when you believe something so much that you're willing to put it into motion, that you believe something so much that you're willing to act on it. Like you believe that your car is gonna start the first time and so you sleep an extra five minutes. That's faith. But faith is a journey. Faith is a movement. Faith is an action that you have to go through and you have to do. These wise men showed their faith in that star. 
by traveling however far it was that they had to travel. And friends, we are on a journey as well, a journey of faith. We put our faith in God and we say, I believe that God can do the things that he promises. I believe that God can do the things that he wants to do. But as long as we say that we believe that, but don't put it into action and live our lives in a way that points us in that direction, it's not faith yet. And I know for some of us, we're on different paths. We're on different parts of that journey. In fact, I would say that every one of us is on a different place in our journey. We have a different distance to go. Maybe you're here today and your faith journey needs to start with just coming back next week. Maybe that's how much you can trust God right now is that you'll give this one more shot. You'll come back to hear someone else bring a message about another Christmas song that you've heard your whole life. And that's a great step. And that's a great direction. Maybe for you, your journey is something bigger than that. Maybe it's going back and looking at those decisions that you made however long ago and seeing that you're still facing in the right direction, that you're still going in the right way, that your feet are still on the path. Because the most important step that you can make on any journey is the very next one. Because once you make that one, you've got another step to take. And over and over and over again, you've got these steps to take. But you're being called. Called to come. Called to be faithful. And I don't know how far you've got to go to get there. Maybe you've already arrived and you're in the worship spot. Maybe you're already, you've already arrived and you are at that point of adoration and you're kneeling and you're there. But don't give up because Jesus is constantly moving. I love in the story, it says they went to Jerusalem following the star. And then after they found out that it was in Bethlehem, the star moved and pointed them to Bethlehem because God wanted those steps to happen. And these magi come and they give these gifts, and they worship, and they adore. These pagans, these men that don't follow Jesus as king, probably any after that day. We don't know. They may have stayed there forever. Actually, we know where they left, because they left, they got a dream that said, don't tell Herod where Jesus is. So they left in a different direction. And then it followed the same path home, which I like to do anyway. I like to go in a circle. Um, but it all comes down to this. Wherever you are on your path, wherever you are on your journey, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. You guys pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much for these songs. I thank you for the, the words that you put in place. I thank you for the wise men that so long ago made such a great journey to help us figure out the way to go, to help us see that it doesn't take a great, powerful, faithful person to start on that path towards God, that all it takes is taking the next step.
All it takes is moving forward one more time. Help us wherever we are on our journey to focus it on you. It's your name we pray. Amen.